You're listening to Why We Do What We Do. All right, this is Abraham. This is Ryan O. And this is Shane. So this is Why We Do What We Do. Okay, so this is a episode about how we know things, as the title would imply, unless the title changed between the time that we record and the time that we publish it. Hopefully it's how we know what we know. How we know what we know. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> and it essentially is about something called epistemology in a way, right? This is the study of how we know things or sort of the philosoph- philosophical um, treatment of that. That makes sense? Sure. Okay. I ask that question I can run with that. I just I say, does that make sense all the time? Anyway, the question that's asked here is sort of how do we know things about the universe? That is like how do we come to learn facts about things, especially when we can't directly observe them, right? So how do we know black holes really exist? Yeah, exactly. Or if aliens really are in a fourth dimension or not, since we can't perceive that. Yeah, sure. Okay. So so then this is not quantum physics. I mean, it could be. This could involve quantum physics in a way. Actually, no, it specifically does involve quantum physics. Okay, so then so then the example of how do I know the cat is alive or dead? The yeah, the Schrodinger's cat. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. I'm not I'm not going to be able to answer that question, but that is the topic <laughs> of conversation. So, thank you for setting me up for that (laughs) (laughs) but an example of this for real though is that if i'm sure most people have heard that science has said that there's this dark matter out in the universe hold on aliens aliens is a real example sorry i'm just trolling I, i mean it could be i mean all of them are examples i'm just using an example that's like from science okay oh like 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 logical examples yes which i mean feel free to pepper in your nonsense examples too as we go just (laughs) that's right that takes that's that's what you do for uh good learning right like good acquisition of of learning includes examples and not examples yeah there you go okay Okay. so as i was saying there's this there's been this, this observed effect of this dark matter in the universe that is Things don't seem to move the way that they should move based on how we seem to understand gravity. So there must be something else that's there that makes up some amount that has some amount of mass that would explain why things move the way they do. Or there's just something that we don't understand. So this whole dark matter, dark energy, that's simply a sort of a placeholder name to say that we don't really know what this is. But anyway, how do we come to understand that the dark matter is there? And that's sort of a question of, why do we believe it's there in the first place? Where, where did this come from? And this is, the, again, that how would we know things that we can't directly observe or that we can't experience at all? Another one is that science, specifically mathematics, predicted that Neptune would exist before it was ever actually observed with any kind of telescope. Well, how did science do that? What were the things that was interacting with? What are the variables it was observing that it could make that sort of conclusion? And they're actually doing that now, right? There's some study where they're trying to discover that there is a planet beyond Pluto. Yes. Within our solar system. Yes. So they they are currently this is this is current stuff that's happening right now in, in, in that field. Yep, exactly. So this all has to do with this idea of how do we 
use our observations and we sort of logic our way to some of these answers inside of these questions, right? So how do we do what we do? Yeah. Yeah. As scientists. Yep. Or change the name of the podcast to instead of why it's now how. <laughs> just a whole bunch of task analyses. Yeah, just lists of action items basically. <laughs> it's perfect. <laughs> All right. So I I think the simplest way to talk about it is that we learn about these things through a process of logic called reasoning. Yeah. And there are essentially two ways that we deduce or we sort of arrive at this knowledge. The first way that we're going to talk about, at least, is making a generalization about something and inferring the application of that generalization to a specific example. So, for instance, we might start with the generalization that religious people like guns. And by the way, this is just a hypothetical example. So <laughs> going straight save, forward on this know, example, aren't you? Save your, save we're your not comments. pulling any punches. I know. This this was just if you were or to make triggers. this generalization. Let's just just say you were making this generalization. Religious people like guns. Therefore, if my neighbor Nate is religious, he must have a gun. That would be called this deductive reasoning. I'm walking through the step of I have a generalization. If generalization premise is true, then conclusion is also true because conclusion, the smaller part fits inside of the larger part, right? Yeah. Okay. I, I follow. Okay. Now, before everybody with guns that's religious or not starts commenting... Let's listen to this next part that Abraham has. Okay. So, yeah, the other kind of reasoning that we're going to talk about is when we observe several instances of some kind of event or thing and then infer a generalization from those instances. So we might observe that in the past 100 times that the country went to war, the stock market temporarily increased and then conclude from that that war increases the stock market, at least temporarily. And that would be a generalization based on those observations that were made. So can you see the the difference in where you start with a like a a general conclusion and then you infer the application of that to a specific example and the reverse of that where you start with specific examples and infer the generalization? Do you see where I'm going? That makes sense? Yeah. So like hundred cement. Yeah. So like like one of them would be like you start with you start with the answer to get to the question. Right? Maybe? Is that a way? I don't know if that's... Maybe I'm not following. Maybe I thought I was following. Maybe I, maybe you start with the answer to get to the question. The other one is you start with the question to get to the answer. Well, both of them... I mean, I, I think that's an interesting way of asking it. I think the both of them, you are starting with a question of some kind. It's It sort of depends on what your question is, whether you're asking about something general or something specific. That was the nicest feedback I've ever gotten. I appreciate that. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> so, I mean, there are other... Was that, was that inferred? <laughs> was there some sort of logic that just happened there? <laughs> I wouldn't call that logic. <laughs> so some other examples of this might be we want to we look at a crime scene. We want to discover who committed, committed a crime even though we didn't observe them committing a crime. Like what do we look at and then how do we infer from that some amount of detail? Or if there is like uh, in sports, I'm trying to like pick topics that are going to be relevant to a lot of people. And we're entering at the time that we're recording this entering into March Madness. So people are paying attention to that sort of thing in the United States. A coach might try and predict what the what play their opposing team is going to make and prepare for that move. But how does he prepare for that? How would he begin to make that prediction? So essentially, let's go ahead and give some background on these two ways of 
trying to logic through these things, again, from general to specific or from specific to general. So we give some background on those types of reasoning and then some criticisms about those reasoning styles. And then if we if we can and we want to, we can maybe argue with each other a little bit. Although, I, you know, I don't know how different we all feel about this or if we'll end up at the same place once we've finished having our discussion. Sounds great. So let's start with the deductive approach. So this is a process of predicting the characteristic of a single event by starting with a generalization. So uh, a lot of research questions in the mainstream media are proposed this sort of way. Um, so when you're consuming, right, like things that scientists have figured out, they're usually studying something and then the article's written as it's a conclusion of like, this is how it is. This is fact. When in reality, it may or may not be that. Right. So that generalization piece of this, and this, again, is called deductive reasoning, where you go from general to specific. That generalization piece to begin with is called the premise. And this is the main statement made about some group of things or events, as I gave the example of um, if all religious people have a gun, that would be a generalization, right? And so whether or not that is accurate is a different question. I'll get to that in a moment. But you start with that first piece of here is a statement that says all things inside of the statement have this feature. Yep. And so ultimately what it boils down to, it gets to this final statement of the inference and that's called the conclusion, right? So you have a, is, would you describe it as a deductive conclusion or just simply a conclusion? You could probably go either way. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to roll a deductive conclusion because it sounds, it sounds more like I know what I'm talking about. Okay. Sounds good. So this is, uh, again, like relating it to like every internet argument out there. Usually people that are throwing facts around, there's a lot of this sort of logic and reasoning that's going on when people are throwing facts out there. I think one thing we can circle back around on later when we're talking about this is it's, it's pretty cool to understand which someone is arguing from or which your own premises are coming from. Um, so that you can try to figure out how to have a more cohesive conversation with somebody sure. and like move, move a larger conversation forward rather than just like nitpicking each other in the details. Yeah, that sounds, yeah, that sounds reasonable. And so, yeah, the logic of this whole thing is inside of deductive reasoning is that if the premise is true, then the conclusion must also be true because that conclusion is entailed by the premise, meaning that it is part of the premise. So you've already basically said that whatever conclusion you have is going to be true because your premise starts out being true. So if you want an example, you can just go to the 45th president's Twitter feed and find these all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> We're taking some hard stances today. Yeah. Got if you want to, if you want to take that out, you can take that out if you want, but, uh, <laughs> sorry, I'm having fun with you. No, this is great. Yeah. I think, I think that's a pretty relevant <laughs> example considering the Mueller reports out. Yeah, very true. <laughs> All right, so it. I just got an X on my back. <laughs> People are gunning from every conservative that listens to this podcast. Yeah. Um, now it is important to know, and I mentioned this earlier, that the premise is not always true. Now that is a different question. the The logic is tight here. If that the premise is true, then the conclusion must also be true. However, if the que the premise is false, that again, we're, you're asking a different question at this point because. 
like whether or not your premise is true or false is not does not have to do with whether or not the conclusion will be true or false. The conclusion is inherently linked to whatever your premise is. Does that make sense? So it's like yeah, and it sounds crazy, but separating those is really important to understand all this, right. and then we bring it back together later for anybody listening there. So don't freak out. It's not like we're trying to sidestep or dodge something here. Right. So let's say if we were to go back in time before people knew very much about the ocean, granted they still don't, but let's say we were to go back in time like way before we knew very much about the ocean and you might have the conclusion or you start might start with the premise that all finned water creatures are fish. So we see that there's something in the water. It has a fin. It is a type of fish. So if I see a finned creature in the ocean, it must be a fish. Now, if the premise were true, then this conclusion would make sense, right? As long as that premise is true. However, the premise in this case is not true. So this would be a so one of those non-examples or a counterexample of even though the if if the premise is false, that's not the same question as whether or not the conclusion would be appropriately entailed by that premise. So I'm trying to trying to think of a way to just say this in a way that it, it it's very clearly linear that what, whatever your premise says that entails the conclusion and then asking whether or not the premise of true is another question that's important to ask. But the, the logic here is that you, it flows in that direction so that, that they're linked. That was just an example I was giving. I think that's good. Like the premise entails a conclusion that has to be a part okay, of this. Great. Yeah. Perfect. All right, cool. So on the other side of this, we've got inductive reasoning, right? So this, when we talk about inductive reasoning, we're talking about the process of creating a generalization from observing several instances. It's basically the reverse of deductive reasoning, right? So we're looking at starting with um, a lot of information, a lot of observations, and then creating that ulti- that that generalization from that. Right. So first, um, with this inductive reasoning, there are several instances. Um, that of some event that are observed and the more instances that are observed the higher probability that this induced premise the one that you sort of you determine from the from your observations the more likely it is that that's going to be accurate which is probably why a lot of scientists are like we need more and more and more data yeah i mean yes and we'll get to we'll get to (laughs) that element of this as we move as we move on so this logical scheme does not have entailment like deduction does. So you kind of mentioned this before, like where uh, the premise is, uh, has the entailment with the conclusion. Uh, induction doesn't have that same thing. So essentially, just because there were several instances that were true does not mean that the generalized statement will be true. So so just because we've seen it a whole lot doesn't mean that we say this sweeping generalization that we've made, we can't say that that's, that's inherently true or um, even has a high probability, right? That's, that's, that's yeah. really kind of what we're getting at here. So, for instance, you could observe uh, that dozens of times the baseball pitcher actually scratches his butt before a pitch, and then the next one will be a fastball. Actually, you know, it's funny that you use this as an example. As a baseball player, baseball players are are incredibly superstitious. Oh, I'm aware. So this... <laughs> so this is something that would actually absolutely come up. Um, so, however, the pitcher could actually scratch his butt and not throw a fastball. So, so there are instances where the butt scratch has nothing to do with the fastball. It could be a curveball. It could be a splitter. It could be a knuckleball. We don't really know. Yeah, I yeah. Part of what it made me think about this is that Reno got a baseball stadium a few years back now, and so I've been to a few baseball games there. And one of the times we were watching the pitcher specifically had this routine he went through every single time he did a pitch and so we'd count we were like all right i want to see how many times he does this move this move and this move and then check the next time see if he does it in the same order in the same number of times and sure enough he was like a machine 
going through his superstitious little movements. And we thought that was pretty funny. I had the same routine prepping for basketball games. Scratching your butt? No. (laughs) I was trying to beat you to that. I knew you were going to drop that in. (laughs) No, I had the same routine that I did every, every time, though, that had to do with like up to four hours before taking a two and a half hour nap doing a certain number of push-ups, the way I tied my shoes, the order I went in, everything. Mm-hmm. It was ridiculous. I felt great, and I attributed yeah. a lot of success to it that I realized probably didn't have anything to do with it later on in my life. But, um, yeah. Yeah. I used I used to keep a pocket full of sunflower seeds, uh, and I would always have the same kind of sunflower seeds in my right back pocket. And every time I, was, uh, every time I had a game where I had a hit, I would wear the same socks. I would not wash my socks until I had no hits in that game gross yeah it was really gross yeah, they were they were they're clearly tainted yeah yeah yeah. at that point in time there was them. a funk i had to get rid of it yeah but it, <laughs> legitimately right. there was a funk but it was a different issue <laughs> yeah <laughs> all right now there is actually a third type which is fairly similar to the other two it's kind of a middle ground and this is called abductive reasoning so we had the deductive inductive and then this one's abductive and just to make sure we're not falling in the middle of the road logical fallacy where like the halfway between any two things is the right answer, any two extremes is the right answer. That's not always the case. I think I gave the example once on here, although I may have given it in the class I was talking about of like we should kill 100 students and then the other person said, no, we should kill zero students. And then the logical middle ground is we should kill 50 students when really the right answer is we should kill zero students. Yes. <laughs> and and so it's sort of like just because you're halfway between two things doesn't mean that's the most logically reasonable place to be. Anyway, this is a halfway between these two things and it doesn't mean it's the best place to be, but it is a halfway. And this is called abductive reasoning. And in this one, you start with an incomplete set of observations. So you have some amount of information. You then assume the likeliest explanation from that set so you get sort of that generalization piece as well and so you have some amount of data you essentially make an educated guess about all of the information and then you test that hypothesis so it's kind of a little bit of both right yeah i mean on on its face it sounds fine enough all right so although many think of making generalizations from specific examples as being risky and logically flawed. It is something that we kind of do every day throughout our day. And we've already mentioned several examples here. Every time I plug in any single device that's electronic in the world, right? Like I'm assuming it's going to charge. Right. And that it won't explode and kill you. Yeah. I mean, it, it very well could be the case that you plug in and it doesn't charge. Or you plug in and it it does explode and kill you, but it hasn't so far. So we make that inductive leap in logic that, well, if all the times I've observed so far in these specific instances have worked out fine, then the generalization is the next one will probably work out fine as well. A really funny real story uh, that happened with me and my graduate advisor one time as we hopped in the car. Uh, this was probably like iPhone three sort of days plugged his phone in uh, to the car charger and it just went black. And he's like, give me your phone. And I was like, no way, man. (laughs) I just saw what happened to yours. And he's like, I got an iPod, you know, back there. Like, grab that. Grab that. He plugged it in. He's like, it's definitely the charger. (laughs) (laughs) And he's like, we need to stop and pick up a new phone before we go to this next meeting. And like, he literally pulled in and like bought a brand new phone and iPod. Wow. Simply because of this sort of situation. Wow. (laughs) The downfall of being an empiricist. (laughs) <laughs> or certain types of uh, deductions, right? Yeah, a logician of sorts. <laughs> so another example might be 
when you order your favorite meal for lunch. You expect to enjoy it every time, but you might not this time. Uh, but you order it anyway. So we, you, you might have those moments where you don't enjoy your meal. You're going to order it regardless. Taking a gamble. That's it. Gambling with your taste. And another example from science that I like is that um, when scientists noted that in all cases of Down syndrome, there was an extra chromosome present. And so they inferred from all these observations of there being an extra chromosome in all cases of there being Down syndrome that they, the inductive logic there was that that extra chromosome caused Down syndrome. And so they then could apply the test for this and say, like, okay, well, the next time we observe an infant that has an extra chromosome, are they going to have Down syndrome? Oh, yep, they did. Well, when it's the in the right place. But um, so, yeah, that's an example of the inductive logic sort of occurring in science as well. And kind of going back to our example that we brought up about Neptune before, I imagine that, that this is probably a little bit like that, where you have an observable universe. You know, statistically, it makes sense that there's probably more planets somewhere out there. So we have enough data to assume that there are, and then we're going to test that hypothesis and discover more planets. Well, and I think specifically with this one, it had to do with the motion of the planets that it was something like, we see that things are moving this way. The only way that it would make sense is if there's a planet right here. Right. And so mathematically speaking, these things shouldn't be doing what they're doing unless there's a planet here. And then once they had the capability to actually look at that planet, they're like, oh, yep, there it is. <laughs> right where we thought it would Thanks, be. Thanks, math. And yeah, thanks, math. <laughs> uh, that's an example of of using those observations to um, to give a, create a hypothesis to test. I like it. Cool. Hey, this is totally off topic. I want to do an episode on distractions where we try to distract each other while we're recording. <laughs> um, I actually have really wanted to do one on distractions as well. I so, think that'd be so uh, much fun. Okay, that sounds fun. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Yeah, that's. Um, I think that'd be fun. So we should. Uh, I also like that as sort of a gimmick inside of that is the we're trying to distract one another. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, it'd be a good Patreon thing to share out too. Oh yeah. All right. So let's get into some of the criticisms that that people have leveled at these two different styles of working through logic, right? So the first one is that deduction, like a criticism that has been leveled at deduction or deductive reasoning this general to specific style reasoning is that it's difficult because you have to have the generalization to begin with. So you have to already know something about it in order to start with your premise so that you can have a conclusion. And, theref and therefore, you can only answer one question at a time because you start with your premise and then you say, okay, well, if premise is true, then conclusion should also be true. Test that conclusion. Then you have the answer, yes, for this specific example, that conclusion was true. And that's if, if that if that was otherwise false, then you would know something about your uh, premise to begin with. But that is only answering, OK, I know one more thing about this single instance. Right. And I feel like on the other end, if you're being trying to go about the inductive approach, like you don't know where you're going. Right. You're just sure. like collecting stuff to figure out a generalization that you don't know. Yeah. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So like. I don't know. Like, are they both inherently flawed then? I mean, you could certainly make that case. I, the One of the arguments that's similar to what you're saying about how induction, uh, the inductive reasoning is flawed is because it involves making assumptions about how things work, even though those assumptions might be wrong. And so, yeah, because you're right, there's sort of this directionless approach of 
I don't know, like we don't know where to sort of situate this generalization we want to make about all these observations. So just throw one out there and see if it sticks. Yeah. Sort of thing. Yeah. Many have argued that there's no room in science for inductive reasoning because it makes these large leaps and these huge assumptions, right? These sweeping assumptions about the world that's been observed. We have some data. We don't have all the data. We can't include every exemplar of a situation. So to make this sweeping generalization about a specific phenomenon uh, would be a little bit irresponsible. So we've been pretty we've been pretty harsh about the concept of a uh, a a mind on this podcast. Is that an error that we're committing there, Abraham? Why do you say so? Because we haven't collected all the possible data and possible instances out there to be able to make this generalization. We're getting there. <laughs> We're getting there. <laughs> so it's interesting to me that there's like these arbitrary lines that each individual or different areas of science start to draw, right? Whereas like we say there's probably enough instances here where we can assume this to be true and start moving right. forward, right? Yeah, so that's that's exactly the next part of this conversation is that when we start, even when you take something like deductive reasoning, when you try and have this general to specific, you got to ask the question, where did that generalization come from? Okay. And so it, it had to, it had to be based on something. You, you had to have made some observation already. So I'm going to start with an inductive statement. Let's say you said something like the last 100 professional swimmers that I saw were in excellent physical shape. Therefore, professional swimmers are in excellent physical shape. So I start with specific examples. I've seen 100 cut up, really attractive, hard body swimmers and have therefore concluded that swimmers are in excellent physical shape when they're professionals. Okay. Then therefore, what I would say is the next Olympic swimmer I see will likely be in excellent physical shape. The implication for both this general to specific and specific to general logic is that both of them have to start with an observation about something in the universe. Like we haven't observed everything that there is to observe in the universe about any event ever. Every single thing is going to have an incomplete record of observation, especially because for almost all of these things, we couldn't we didn't have a way of recording our observations for the longest period of time. Even things that are synthetic, like I guarantee there are instances of, of observation that are missed, at least on some level. Okay, But both of these things start with a specific example of some kind. So there had to be those, those examples, those instances, some event that happened, and then both inductive and deductive, or general specific and specific to general, make a general statement about the nature of how things work based on that observation. So if we go back to that example, the professional swimmers, if I start with the statement, professional swimmers are in excellent shape. Therefore, if I look at a specific example of a professional swimmer, they will be in excellent physical shape. That it sounds like a deductive statement, but I had to base that generalization by observing swimmers who are in excellent physical shape first. So this kind of works across the spectrum of steps, really, where you have to make some observation, you make a generalization from that observation, you make a statement about a specific example, and then you test that hypothesis against your premise. That's how they both work. And abduction, or that abduction thing that I was talking about, not abduction, that's when you kidnap somebody. <laughs> the, <laughs> the, the abductive reasoning <laughs> um, does the exact same thing. So with the deductive statement might be, if all dogs are cute, then if I'm given a random dog, it will be cute. And then the conclusion is the hypothesis confirmed. Yes, dog is cute. Therefore, premise is okay. Again, you're still starting with the fact that, well, I had to observe 
dogs that are cute in order to say all dogs are cute, right? So I think there's a little bit of a false dichotomy, logical fallacy built inside of this system where you, you're assuming that these are actually approaching these from different angles. They're kind of not, right? They're both just observing something about the universe, making a general statement of how to categorize that thing, and then inferring a specific application of that thing that can be tested with a hypothesis. It's just sort of like the inductive part happens first, the deductive part happens second, and they overlap about 80% in the middle because they both involve that piece where you have to make a generalized claim about things. Make sense? Yeah. Cool. Yeah, yeah, I follow that. Sweet. So no, no arguing for us to do that. No, I, no. I'm a little impressed with can, how much we, detail you put into professional swimmers' physiques. Physique, though. You know, I just have nothing to say about that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was fine. I was just kind of like, that's a that's a lot of detail for that. <laughs> I was told once upon a time that I looked like this one like Olympic swimmer. I don't remember who it was, but I was Ryan like, Lochte. <laughs> <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> and I was like, well, thank you. It's the nicest hmm. thing anyone's ever said to me. Hmm. I, yeah, exactly. I'm going to wipe the water out of my hair. <laughs> it was just, it was just sweat, but you know, it gets the, gets the effect done. <laughs> All right. I mean, I mean, that's kind of it. Like that was my big thing about this is there's this idea that there's sort of a logical way to approach these and that there's essentially general to specific or specific to general and different scientists have sort of approached this in different ways. But like people have taken a really hard stance on this. I've seen more so a hard stance against inductive reasoning, but I also see like these things aren't really separate. Like when you make some generalization, you got to start with an observation first because you even if you even if it's just conceptual like mathematical of like well this mathematical statement if this is true then a general a generalized rule about this would be whatever well you still started with a specific thing which in this case would be that mathematical statement so all of these things you go from specific to general to specific and then you test your hypothesis or you test whatever uh, rule you sort of came about it's really just a way of aggregating information in such a way that you can you can understand the way that the world works in sort of a useful way right yeah i guess my question is like does it really matter well, that's actually kind of the point that i'm making is i kind of think it doesn't i kind of think it doesn't matter i think i think it matters to know where you're at between the two and like try to kind of you know what i mean like know where you're operating from Oh, you know, that's a good point. I think where, where I'm saying it doesn't matter is that if you're sitting down, uh, let's say you're, you're putting yourself in a situation where you want to do scientific research, you don't have to say, should I do this deductive process or an inductive process? And I don't think anybody has ever done that. But it's, I guess I'm just saying like the the way that the question is is posed as being either inductive or deductive, you're right. I think it's simply that you can identify where you're at in that process, but it's going to be both of those things are, are sort of the same thing. The other thing I've seen as an argument for this would be uh, from Rui Sidman's tactics, scientific research, how he argues uh, asking questions that are more inductive can lead you to potentially having different conclusions of what your research question led you down, like whatever path that was. 
Now this like itself wasn't put in an experimental framework, so I don't think that you can uh, really argue that at the end of the day, but do you remember that statement? Yeah. Well- so an example, research questions could be proposed in a couple of different ways. I could say, you know, uh, if we record this podcast on uh, logic, the world is going to be a better place. Or I could say, I wonder what happens if we record this episode on reasoning. Yeah. The idea there is uh, the the first one set me up for trying to understand how the world's a better place and like measuring and exploring that. Whereas the other one could have widened my, my possible uh, conclusions to all sorts of different things because I didn't narrow myself in with the, the question that I asked. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. Now, I mean, depending... I mean, inside of that, depending on the type of measurement and analytic system you choose to use, like if you're going statistics, the kind of statistics you choose to use, but even before that, the kind of thing you choose to measure, that will also, like basically what we were saying, Ryan, what you were alluding to, and correct me if I'm wrong, is that the kind of answers you can get are affected by the type of question you asked, whether you leave it open-ended or not. But how you even uh, go about collecting information or data in the first place is also going to affect that. So there's a whole bunch of steps along the way. And if you are, if you ask a question, even if you ask a narrow question that says, I, I can say either yes or no about this question. And so that is only one possible thing I can learn. If you ask, if you frame your data collection in such a way that it does, it says something other than yes or no, then you can maybe even say, wow, I, I asked this question to see if I could find this answer and end up seeing a totally different thing. And I'm going to talk about that as well. If you're, in my opinion, doing good research, you should be able to notice that something is askew in your data and be able to speak to that. And I think it's worth pointing out that you're right, that you, the kinds of adjustments you make to your research will be also affected by whether you ask an open-ended or a closed-ended question of am I right about my conclusion or what premise might there be inside of my data? Um, and both of those things are going to lead to just more re- more questions down the road. So you're, you're ultimately going to just be asking a series of questions trying to get at the best generalization possible. Regardless of which system you use, you'll just arrive at different generalizations at different times. I think, I think that would be my hypothesis. Well, and ultimately what it still comes down to, those are just two of the end caps. Like whatever question you ask, you're just an end cap for that spectrum that you're going to follow that same process of collecting data and measuring it anyway. Like you're going to be doing the same type of like monitoring and measuring and, and all the research and testing your hypotheses the same way. It's just going to be guided differently based on which end of the spectrum you're on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, it could, it could look a little different. I mean, here's my thought on that. What I'm thinking is it could look different depending on which way you phrase the question, but you'll probably end up asking pretty similar questions regardless of, of your starting place. So, you know, you might start with a hypothesis that gives you a narrow yes or no question, but then once you have that yes or no question, you now have a new question to ask that you probably would have gotten if you'd done that inductive process instead, where you said, what happens? You come up with your data and you say, oh, well, now I have a new question to ask. And although they're going to be slightly different approaches, you'll because we're interacting with a universe that is not this chaotic place, but seems to more or less follow a set of rules that are consistent, um, you're you're gonna eventually end up on a a general statement that seems to work most of the time, and that's sort of what science does: is how can we aggregate the sort of I don't want to say metaphysical, but this sort of metadata in a way that allows us to have some statement about the universe and how it works that works most of the time. 
That's, All right. That, Sounds good. Dig. Okay. I'm cool. All right. Well, let's uh, let's nail some take-homes really quick. Science is cool. Word. Math. Math is a gift. But for real, <laughs> logic <laughs> is language, and language does not afford objective truth. That right. could be like a shirt. Did Sweet. we just did we just figure out our first why we do what we do shirt? I actually have two written down, so this will be number three. I'll add it to the list. Okay, yeah, that's okay. beautiful. Nice Thank words, you. Abraham. Thank you. <laughs> I love I love your language. Thanks. I use it to do things. Instead, and like say dumb things like that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, you're right. And instead of like this idea of objective truth, we gather these statements in such a way that we can use, we can make these useful statements about how the world works. And the kind of questions we ask will be affected by the way we set up those premises and those assumptions and those generalizations. And all of this is to say that we, one way or another, we're going to learn something about the, the thing that we're trying to study um, or understand. And ultimately, these two or three processes are pretty much the same, right? Yeah. You're asking a question about the observable world. You're trying to gather information. You're trying to understand the observable word, world. And uh, ultimately, these processes are pretty much the same thing. Yeah, they seem to be. So, Cool. All right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wrap us out here with a quote from the late, great Stephen Jay Gould. He said, quote, in science, fact can only mean confirmed to such a degree that it would be perverse to withhold provisional assent. I suppose that apples might start to rise tomorrow, but the possibility does not merit equal time in physics classrooms. And yeah, like end quote. Um, the, the statement here is just that a fact is a thing that we know a lot about. And Again, this is the whole idea of the sort of objective truth, that that once we've gathered enough observations, we can make useful statements about how the world works. And those are going to help us be effective in working in that world and do not always mean that that they're just a a 100% representation of reality as it is, if that makes sense. Do you imagine if things like that started to happen, like if, if apples started to rise? You imagine how many flat earthers would be like, I told you! I told you. <laughs> That'd yeah. be great. We can't trust and then, and anything. Then, <laughs> and then you have a group of people that like just buy into the idea that, you know, science is science. And we're like, okay, it's a new phenomenon to study. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With new data. We just yeah. go with new data. All right. I'd be like, What's I'd going be on throwing here? stuff, dude. I'd be like, what else? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See, you're, you're going stuff up. You're going that 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 inductive route again. You yeah, know what happens. Observe yeah. more things. Throw my coffee. <laughs> see if it's like floats. See, if, throw it up in the air and see if you can catch it before it hits the ceiling. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. Uh, this has I been have a fun. Qu- yeah, I have a quick listener mail for us, real fast, if that's okay. Yep. Oh, nice. I see Erica wrote in. What up, Erica? Yeah, so this is a um, actually a Facebook comment, and I just I love this. This is when we were talking about um, our animal episode, and and also we did one that uh, re- released just in time for St. Patrick's Day. She said, "I'm listening to you guys talk about the animals and alcohol. When my dog was a puppy, she would lick the Irish cream bottle on our bottom shelf. Now she could she could care less about coffee, but if we put Irish cream in it, we will have a puppy nose in our cup. I don't let her drink it, but she wants to." <laughs> uh awesome awesome. thank you for sharing that erica that's a really good story um yeah that was we were not intending to to reference animals drinking alcohol but uh uh, that i I enjoyed that 
it's nice to tie a couple communities together sometimes. There you go. The bar community and the animal community. <laughs> yeah. They probably hang they probably hang out a lot actually already. Yeah. Without any help from us. So <laughs> Oh, one thing real quick is uh Shane and Ryan, you both have other podcasts you guys do if you want to plug those real fast. Go for it. Yeah, so I started this thing with a gentleman named Dimitri uh, called the Controversial Exchange. It's meant for nerdy behavior analysts. We're just we want to talk about the BS that people talk about at the bar in behavioral science, but don't want to actually talk about publicly. So we're going to see how far we can push the local community of behavior analysts to talk about those sort of things. So uh, warning: it's explicit. It's different. It's supposed to be that. Um, and we're going to see where it goes. It's fun. It helps me create video content for the channel also. So side note, it actually just makes it easier to run the YouTube channel, but, um, yeah, it's cool. What are you doing, Shane? So, uh, a buddy of mine that I've known for about 20 years, uh, he and I have been playing in punk bands for, uh, quite some time and we are doing a podcast called, I don't want to hear it. Um, and it's all about kind of like, uh, like our history in punk rock, uh, some of the local punk rock scenes and the hardcore scenes that we played in, uh, also explicit, nothing to do with really anything sciencey. Uh, the la- the next episode that we're talking about, uh, we run through a whole list of juggalos, um, and kind of talk about <laughs> what like, uh, like in the insane clown posse culture looks like. So, um, you know, we, we have a lot of fun with it. It's super goofy. We do some music recommendations, um, and just have, a, we just have a lot of fun with it. It's literally, it literally has nothing to do with anything that I do <laughs> with my career or <laughs> science or anything. It's all about just like having fun. So nice. Sweet. Those are great projects, man. And I forgot to mention at the top of this episode really quick that we are now on tune in. If you have an Alexa or Sonos smart speaker, you should be able to say, I'm actually not sure how you trigger a Sonos. And I think we're on the, the Google home assistant speakers as well, but uh, you should be able to just say, play why we do what we do podcast and it should come up if it's the echo then i know it's alexa but i don't i don't know what the other ones are alexa uh, all... play some mother why we do what we do that's all you say okay great i don't actually know that that'll work and i'm gonna have to beep that but um <laughs> the, the uh yeah we're so we're on spreaker we're on spotify we're on tune in we are now on alexa smart speakers so you can kind of find us everywhere so if you want to listen to us that way you are welcome to do so and then finally, um, we have some new Patreon levels. We're going to go ahead and announce right now that we are we are revamping Patreon completely. And so the levels, I'm just going to announce, we, we're coming up with better names for them. But right now, level one, you're going to have access to our Discord server. Say level what? T- yeah. That's a dope level hookup. T- you get to talk yes. with people, right? Yeah, yeah. And I'm going to just have that up and running on my computer. So whenever I'm online, basically, I can switch over and check in and chat with people. So and you so- can... Yeah, Abraham that way. Yeah, and I'm going to say, if you want to uh, start getting involved with like how we go about planning and kind of helping influencing these, this is going to be how you're going to be able to do that. So make sure that you really uh, pay attention. We're going to put that one at a pretty low price level. So it's a very low barrier to entry to help kind of influence and shape what we're doing here. Yeah. Uh, the next level up is going. you're going to get a audio from every episode. You're going to get the uncut version. So it's it's going to be pretty raw. Uh, everything's going to be lined up and like make sense and sound okay, but otherwise it's going to be all of our outtakes and cutouts and and misfires. And any time that there are oftentimes sections of conversation, I'll just cut all together because I don't think they're relevant to the topic. That sometimes that's you know ten minutes of, of an episode that that'll be missed. But if you are at that second level, you'll have access to those extra long episodes. Brilliant. 
<laughs> the next level up, you will get a bonus episode at least two a month, bonus. usually one. <laughs> yeah. Wah, 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 wah. <laughs> <laughs> usually one every week. This is going to be a totally um, a, a episode that is recorded just for Patreon supporters. It's mostly going to be us just kind of doing our thing, talking about whatever. That one is explicit, also uncut, and uh, that one just is going to cover... Um, a lot of topics and you'll be and listening if you think to that these... we're nerdy here if you think that we're nerdy on this and kind of really get into this some stuff like wait till you hear some of this stuff like we get we just dig on a whole nother level yeah um the next level up at level five you are going to get a or no, level four sorry um you're going to get at least one video recording of us recording an episode per month so you get the entire uncut episode plus the video that goes along with it Shane has an amazing beard that you're oh, missing yeah. out on. It's really good. Yeah, it's getting real good too. <laughs> it's, real, it's really it's worth getting, staring at. I might, it's getting fact, real good. We might have to next time we, re- we record one of these videos, just pin the video to Shane so that it never cuts away from him. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, have, I haven't cut my hair or trimmed my beard in months. So oh. I, I, I'm just looking more and more insane as time goes on. It's great. <laughs> it is epically wonderful. <laughs> The next level up at level five, you will get a live chat with us host at least once per month. This isn't just a live chat like as part of an episode. We will actually just get on, talk with you. You can shoot your ideas at us. We will answer your questions to the best of our ability. And otherwise, we can just kind of hang out and have a discussion as people, um, which will be super fun. Uh, the next level up at level six, you will get a personal thank you note uh, or letter in the mail from us. Um, and, uh, at least, at least one of us, but, um, maybe all of the hosts, you will get a letter from one letter from all, th- all three of us, but, uh, but that'll happen. And then the next level up at level seven, which I'm calling really high level for right now, um, you can actually uh, pick a topic for us to cover. We'll cover within about three months of your choosing it. The team does have to approve the topic, but if that's something you want to do, you can be at that level. Uh, the next level I'm calling super high level. Two? You could <laughs> super high level two. There's a really high level and super high level, so they're different. Right? Oh, my bad, my bad. <laughs> and uh, so, if you're at the super high level, you can actually record with us on an episode uh, topic, and you have to be approved by the team. Um, but that could be something that we do. And then the super mega high level is that you could actually come hang out with us live in person and uh, and record an episode with us. Again, everything approved by the team. So that's uh, those are all the new levels of Patreon that, that you have available to you. Super helps us out, and we are going to super help you out as much as we can with this new stuff. I love it. I was going to say something, but I forgot. That's okay. Oh! So, <laughs> so remembered. Um... <laughs> <laughs> so it's really important that uh as you move up those tiers you get access to the rest of the tiers that we already mentioned so if you're at that yeah. super mega high level you've got all that other stuff that was listed out there too so it's one of those things that as you it's a values-based kind of support model as you as you value and like want to donate more towards the cause we will add more value um in exchange there and it just kind of keeps adding up those levels yeah. Really important to know. So all access, all those tiers, for example, would have access to uh, the Discord server. That's just something that uh, it builds up as you go. Yep. So yeah, if you have already been supporting us, these levels are going to come into effect. Um, they should have actually come into effect by the time this episode is released. And if not, then consider joining us. We got all this new cool stuff that's coming out, and we're going to be delivering like crazy. And the, like, if you do join, you have the opportunity to start requesting other stuff for us to add uh, to these levels or to other levels even higher up. So maybe something's like you get to take Shane out on a date or something. Um, that could be like a certain yeah. Patreon level. <laughs> yeah, we could do that. 
Um, I mean, how I'm, weird that'd be? Yeah, that'd <laughs> be, be really like, strange. Mesh. I'm not like I'm not like super social, so you you all have to deal with that. I'll probably talk about like comic books or like music and stuff, and make a bunch of jokes that you might not understand. Yeah, imagine this not, like six foot four dude with tattoos showing up in a shirt that says "Make racist scared again." <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Make racist afraid again. Uh, I tell people I'm like a Sons of Anarchy cosplay right now. <laughs> so, um, so yeah. So I'll show up at a fancy. I'll show up at a fancy restaurant. I won't eat anything there. They probably won't have anything for me to eat because I'll put butter on everything, and uh, it's fine. It'll be good. We'll have a, we'll have a nice day. De- we'll have a nice time. <laughs> I'm not actually trying to prostitute Shane out. Just. Just offering some like, if there are ideas you have about like, uh, pa- like things that you'd like to see as a Patreon member, um, certainly let us like you know join up, let us know, and we can we'll start working out different systems. These are things that we thought would add some value to this, but we're certainly open to some suggestions. For sure. Cool. Also, right. I'm married, so that that date thing might be a problem. <laughs> <laughs> good call. Good call. All right, well, before I say anything else ridiculous and start prostituting more people, let's go ahead and wrap this one up now. Uh, uh, This is Abraham. This is Rhino. And this is Shane. We're out. See ya. (laughs) You've been listening to Why We Do What We Do. Why We Do What We Do is supported in part by our amazing patrons. Thank you. If you like what you heard, consider becoming a patron by heading to patreon.com slash podcast. You can also rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts or share this episode with your friends. If you have any comments or questions, we'd love to hear from you. Find us at podcast on your favorite social media platforms. You can learn more about this and other episodes by going to www.wwdpodcast.com. There, you'll find links as well as detailed and shareable show notes. Why We Do What We Do is researched and produced by Abraham, Ryan O, Shane, and Miranda. Artwork and logo design by Andrew Pollock at nogdesigns.com. Video and production assistance from Tyler Brassier with music courtesy of Justin Greenhouse. Thanks for listening, and we hope you have an awesome day. All right, this is Abraham. This is Rhino. And this is Shane. So this is why we do what we do. This is Rhino. You might want to use that one because I blew, I peaked on the other one. Sorry. Oh, okay. All right, let's I, roll. I thought you were just reintroducing yourself. No. Yeah. It's like, don't don't forget, still Rhino I got, here. I got a little too excited. Okay. Uh, for those of you listening, I, I'm, I got new glasses. I can like lean back and I don't have to be right up on the mic, but I got so excited that I just blew the, uh, the audio out. <laughs> I'm glad all this. He had to reintroduce himself twice. All this is definitely going in the uncut version. I don't know if it's going to make it into the <laughs> final cut version. Do we do we restart this, or do you want to just keep going? What, whatever, Abraham. Um, right. No, we're good. Let's get rolling. Okay. All right. Well, okay. <laughs> Let's. <laughs> we can restart. Let's restart. I'm, I'm fine. We can just keep going. It's whatever. Okay. All right. The guy the, with. Uh, uh, Beep. Nailed it. <laughs>